here, soulmates. Always plenty to talk about. This week is flying by. I can't believe it's already Thursday. Thursday. My goodness. Mm -hmm. About ready for that weekend. I want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. We're following the latest on the heartbreaking case of Shanquilla Robinson and the shocking new study that shows black social workers are in need of help themselves. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Y. Corte. Plus, a new jobs report is out and the black workforce is stronger than ever. And are you banking black? Well, if not, we'll introduce you to the largest black bank in the country. Mm -hmm. They're the stories that impact our people. Yeah, we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into the top conversation for the day. Let's go to Tennessee. Everybody's talking about it. The young black representative, Justin Pearson, who was expelled after joining protests following a mass shooting, has been reinstated to his position following his expulsion from the state's uh, House of Representatives. Now, Pearson will now have to win a special election to permanently return to the Capitol. Uh, at his reinstatement hearing, Pearson delivered a powerful statement. Take a listen. fight for justice and dedication to his constituents have earned him praise. And like I said uh, yesterday and the days before the quarter line, a couple of stars have been born. You know, you go from the very unknown to now being just all across uh, the headlines. And you got, uh, you know, the two Justins, mm -hmm. uh, this one here, the Pearson. He's, he's going to give you the fire, the fire and the fro. And, and the other Justin is just going to give it to you straight, no chaser. Uh, and like you said, the, the bite. And I just adore them both. And I'm following and I'm just curious to see how this is all going to play out. But on the other side of it, um, these guys are destined for greatness. Yeah, I mean, born to meet the moment yes. is certainly what it feels like. And, you know, uh, it was great to see, you know, again, a unanimous vote mm -hmm. from the Shelby County Commission right. uh, in support of Justin Pearson. Uh, but, you know, there's a part of me that also thinks, you know, yeah, I feel for his supporters and for mm. the constituents that have to organize and mobilize and raise money for a special election, right? Mm -hmm. They just sent him there, right? And you know, now they have to, you know, burden that sort of cost and effort. And so, you know, there's no shortage of enthusiasm to do it, but mm -hmm. you know, it's just it feels like just another added step uh, that that our folks have to take in order to uh, uh, partake in our freedom. I get that, but on the other side, I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit on the other side. How, how, when have we not been tasked with more than what it appears as though we can handle and, and have not come through? So if this is what we got to do uh, to put these brothers back on in and on point, then we got to do what we got to do. And we always, we always come through. And, and in one way or the other, we prevail. Mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's my take on it. Well, folks are definitely rising to the occasion. That's right. As the U.S. Senate gets involved in the controversy surrounding the expulsion 
of two, the two young black lawmakers from Tennessee's House of Representatives, lawmakers are taking action to protect the voting rights of their constituents. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia have now written to the U.S. Department of Justice asking for an investigation into the expulsion. Meanwhile, Jones and Pearson have been reinstated, but uh, will have to run in a special election to keep their seats. The dates for these elections are yet to be set. And five Louisiana state troopers pleaded not guilty yesterday to charges related to their alleged involvement in the violent arrest and death of a black motorist by the name of Ronald Green. This happened back in May of 2019. Now, the body cam footage of the incident, which shows officers kicking, punching, dragging, and using a taser on Green, was only released two years later. The officers have been charged with malfeasance uh, in office and obstruction of justice. One officer also faces a count of negligent homicide, homicide rather. Green's family has filed a wrongful death civil lawsuit seeking damages for medical and funeral expenses. Now the next court hearing is on May 12th. And joining us now is Dr. Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter and professor of Pan-African Studies at Cal State Los Angeles. Welcome back to The Black Report. Thank you for having me. Thank I you. Appreciate the coverage. Absolutely. Thank you for your time today. Let's get right into it. The five police officers uh, have now been indicted. What's uh, BLM's response to this uh, particular headline? Well, I think that the murder of Ronald Green is one of the worst that we've ever seen. Ronald Green was beaten to death in May of 2019. That murder was covered up by an entire state of Louisiana. And we're um, grateful that we have an attorney general, um, I'm sorry, a district attorney with the political will to try the case. So black district attorney John Belton, um, after it was uncovered that it was a murder, not a car accident, as it was reported to his family. Family, um, decided to put this case before a grand jury, won that case in front of the grand jury, and is now prosecuting the five deputies who beat to death Ronald Green, whose last words were, I am your brother, as they stole his life. There are a lot of headlines with black DAs in the news. Can you talk to us about the DA leading this case and why we should be paying attention? Sure. Well, Farmerville, Louisiana, which is where the case is being tried, is um, a place that I've never been to before, and I've met, been many, many places. It's a small town. The parish itself is only 15,000 people, and the town of Farmerville is 5,000 people. And so all of these folks have to face each other, right? Um, it's also a space, as we were driving from Mon Monroe to Farmerville earlier this week, that road is lined with Confederate flags. There were some KKK flags out. And so it takes tremendous courage and will to push this case forward and to do what's right um, for justice and for black people in particular. Um, so we're also encouraged that John Belton has been in regular communication with the Green family, talking with Mona Hardin, Ronald Green's mother, on almost a daily basis and has committed himself to personally trying the case. Hmm. Dr. Abdullah, while you're talking, we're looking at the body cam uh, footage, which is absolutely horrific, leading to even more conversation about defunding the police. So what is your response to people who say we actually need police? 
Well, it's really important to start with where we absolutely can agree on that we don't need police. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ronald Green, you know, as they allege, ran into a bush, police did not need to respond to that. Right. We didn't need a police response for someone who allegedly we don't even know if it's true. They said he ran a red light. I didn't even see any mm-hmm. stoplights. In Monroe, I saw stop signs, but not stop lights, right? We know that police aren't needed at our schools. We need nurses and mental health workers, as your last story talked about, right? We need social workers and counselors and um, librarians and more teachers in our schools. Um, So talking about, let's start with talking about where we don't need police, but we do need other kinds of services, resources, and workers. Dr. Abdullah, we saw that the BLM mural in California was vandalized. Can you help the public understand what's the difference between Black Lives Matter Grassroots and Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation? Sure. So we were Black Lives Matter, right? So we were born um, July 13th, 2013. We're almost 10 years old. We were born right in Los Angeles in response to the acquittal of the murder of Trayvon Martin. And then we exploded into a global movement. Um, We were boots on the ground. We didn't have any money. We were funding the movement. Um, I was one of the folks who was there in the very beginning. There were about 30 of us um, who were at that initial meeting and we began funding the movement out of our own pockets, right? Um, And then in 2020, you saw a surge of participation but also people willing to generously donate to Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, that also came with tremendous backlash, especially from white supremacists. And um, one of our co-founders, Patrice Cullors, um, decided that she was gonna step back from Black Lives Matter, um, which had been recently incorporated as the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. And um, unfortunately, a highly paid consultant um, who goes by the name of Shalomia Bowers um, was left with legal control as those resources were supposed to be transitioned over to the boots on the ground, which is what Black Lives Matter grassroots is. He instead said that he was going to um, keep it indefinitely. In 2020 alone, he paid himself $2.2 million. And so we're now in court trying to fight for the resources back. Um, to the people who birthed, built, and fueled the movement. So Black Lives Matter grassroots is what you think of when you think of Black Lives Matter. We are the boots on the ground, the people who do work, who stand in solidarity with families like Ronald Green. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Melina Abdullah, thank you much, first of all, for the for the clarity uh, on, on, on the two differences there uh, with that lawsuit. And also thank you for your uh, time today. We must have you back as uh, news stories like this and unfortunately others uh, continue to plague the headlines. We appreciate your time today. Take care and stay safe. Thank you so much. United States prosecutors have announced that they will not file charges in the death of Shanquilla Robinson, the 25-year-old woman from Charlotte, North Carolina, 
passed away in October 2022 after traveling to Cabo, Mexico with a group of friends. An autopsy revealed that Robinson's neck and back were broken, and Mexican authorities eventually classified the incident as femicide. Despite video evidence of Robinson being violently attacked, federal prosecutors said that there was not enough substantial evidence to support a federal prosecution. No suspects have been taken into custody regarding her death. I saw this uh, headline and it just broke my heart for the family. Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing the video, uh, reading the autopsy report, and, you know, for federal prosecutors to say, according to that autopsy, and, you know, with great deliberation, we don't mm -hmm. find enough evidence to bring charges against anyone. You know, uh, Mexican authorities uh, did issue a warrant for the femicide. Unfortunately, no one has been brought to justice on that side of. Uh, of the law uh, as well. And it is just so heartbreaking. And I'm hoping the family and, and her community and her village will still find the strength to continue to fight, you know, in her honor and in her memory for, for justice. I mean, this is just so strange to me because, you know, nobody just sort of breaks their neck exactly. by themselves, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, it almost seems as if, you know, the, pros the federal prosecutors are suggesting that, you know, you know that, that there was no foul play. And I just don't see how that matches with the facts that we, even we've reported on. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that the group that was with her, you know, sort of you know, went back home and told her family a different story. And mm -hmm. so it is absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, and um, even though the federal prosecution may not be bringing criminal charges, I don't know what that means in terms of any civil suit. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll continue to keep our eye on yeah. this. Uh, let's stay in Mexico for a minute as survivors of a violent Mexican cartel kidnapping shared their disturbing experience, uh, speaking out for the first time in a recent interview. Now, the survivors, Latavia Washington, uh, McGee, and Eric Eric Williams described how they were taken uh, to a secluded location and tortured. So what happened when you crossed over? We turned down this little side road because we was going to see if that led us to the destination and we was going to turn around. We heard a car beat the horn and pulled around us. Zendel was in the back seat. He said, don't stop. He saw a gun. We drove through a few streets and corners until we got back on the main street. Mm -hmm. And that's when a gang of shooting started. You may remember the group of Americans drove to Mexico for a cosmetic procedure when they were stopped by members of the Gulf Cartel who fatally shot two of them. Authorities initially believed that the kidnapping was a case of mistaken identity, but individuals claiming to be part of the Gulf Cartel later sent an apology for their members actions. This is another strange story. It I mean, is. when's the last time you heard of a drug cartel singing, sending an apology mm -hmm. letter saying, oops, sorry, yeah. you know, wrong target, uh, number one. And then, you know, number two, it's just another reminder of how dangerous some places are, particularly mm -hmm. in Mexico, mm -hmm. um, uh, because of the drug cartels. Yeah. And they are clearly still traumatized. You see uh, the, the guy there still reeling from his uh, injuries. And in that interview, it, it, it got really dark mm -hmm. as they were just saying the cartel was just taking them from place to place, blindfolded, even at one time, uh, trying to force them to have sexual relations with one another as they are brother and sister. So they tried to, you know, plead their case and, and they were kind of taunted in ways of saying, you know, oh, we've made a mistake. We're going to release you soon. And so it was just horrific to hear that, uh, you know, play by play of what they, uh, what they went through. And they are still seeking uh, justice in this matter. So we're hoping that they receive that as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My goodness. Well, coming up, 
the push to get more people to bank black. Oh yeah, we're gonna introduce you to the head of the One United Bank, that is the largest black bank in the country, and how you can benefit from being a member. I want you to stay close, soulmates, you'll need this info. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome you back to Foxhole's Black Report. Congressional Black Caucus members sent a letter to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg urging him to reform traffic enforcement practices that disproportionately target black drivers. That's right. The lawmakers expressed concerns over the well-being of black drivers who are more likely to be stopped for traffic violations, but less likely to have access to a vehicle. CBC called for reducing racial inequities in traffic stops, condemning racial profiling, and developing reforms to address these issues. They also highlighted how such practices undermine DOT's focus on transit equity. The CBC hopes that Buttigieg will prioritize this issue and find solutions to address the harms. Talk about Nikolai uh, driving while black. This has been something generational. We've been using that phrase for years on top of years on top of years. You're right. And some people might see this as, as serving up a curveball, the mm. Secretary Buttigieg. Other people might say, you know, uh, it's easy to talk that talk, but like make something happen walk from where you are. Mm -hmm. Do what you can from where you are with what you have. He's the Secretary of Transportation, which means the Federal Highway Administration mm -hmm. is under his purview. And so this is not an unrealistic request. I would agree. People need to feel the increase. It's okay to, to like you said, do the talk but to put things in action, plans and actions to make sure they press through, uh, politically speaking, whatever policy needs to push through. So the folks who get behind the wheel, who are black like us, can feel the protection, can feel the increase, or can feel whatever has been put in place to better uh, our situation. That's right, and it's an opportunity for him to make a material difference That's in right. the lives of black folks. Mm -hmm. You know, he is uh, very ambitious. A lot of people sort of see him as a, a future leader uh, in our country. Well, the time to lead is right now. And That's so the right. CBC is uh, challenging Secretary Buttigieg. Um, now on the black social workers who are experiencing disappointment and exhaustion mm. due to the lack of empathy shown by their white colleagues during the 2020 racial reckoning and the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a study conducted by a professor of social work. Now, the study found that 85% of black social workers were disappointed with the lack of support from their white colleagues. Results showed that many black social workers felt neglected by their white colleagues, despite the use of anti-racism terminology and diversity initiatives in social work. The study also suggests that black social workers found the most support for their well-being and mental health from their family and close friends. You know, social workers, uh, along with many other fields, you know, just have it really difficult because a lot of times we're going into the homes and especially if it's a you know black home, we're very familiar with our culture and sometimes the way things, you know, unfortunately fall out. But as far as, you know, overall health, uh, especially inside of the pandemic and the racial uprising, you know, being parallel with one mm -hmm. another. And, you know, I never re revealed this to the rest of the new 
newsroom, but I had about, as an anchor, you're considered the lead, right, in that newsroom, and I had about eight or nine young people uh, under uh, my wing at the time, and this was their first time experiencing anything so catastrophic as a pandemic. And then on top of that, the racial uh, profiling and all that was falling out, it was Brianna. It was, um, uh, um, George Floyd, George Floyd, yeah. and uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery. kind of like yeah. back to back to back, and they did not know to handle it. And I felt like our management tried their best, mm -hmm. being outside of the culture. So I just gathered them at my home, cooked up a good meal, uh, tapped into a girlfriend uh, who specializes in that type of counseling, and we just fell out on the floor and cried about it and mm -hmm. talked about it. And I think it made us better people, and I think it made us better anchors and reporters to to prepare to cover uh, such such uh, catastrophic mm -hmm. and uh, precedent type things. I mean, it's just, it's a reminder of the importance of the village, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also the importance and outsized role that black social workers right. play mm -hmm. uh, in, in uh, serving, you know, mm -hmm. people that are, are in enormous need. And so, mm -hmm. you know, shout out to all the black social workers out there, the coalition yeah. of black social workers out there and doing And maybe just gathering your, your, your coworkers who you find some, you know, uh, commonality in and 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 giving that support yeah it's very crucial That's right. all right the unemployment rate for african americans in march fell to the lowest ever recorded in u.s history now that's according to data provided by the u.s bureau of labor statistics the black unemployment rate is at five percent plunging more than half of a percentage point from the rate recorded back in february now the black unemployment rate fell from 5.7 percent in february a month that saw an uptick of 0.3% in black joblessness from January. Now, generally, the black unemployment rate this year has hovered between 5.7% and more than 6% unemployment for black women in March also uh, reached a record low. So, mates, listen up. Taxes are due in less than a week, and we're here to help. If you got your workout last year with a gym membership or perhaps uh, put in a, a pool, it's possible that both expenses can be deductions. Any medically prescribed weight loss programs are also eligible. Experts say that taxpayers miss out on millions of dollars worth of write-offs and uh, one out of five taxpayers forget to claim the savers credit. This credit is available automatically and taxpayers can receive up to $1,000 if they are single or up to $2,000 if they're married filing jointly. Also, check to see if you qualify for the earned income tax credit as the IRS says that 25% of people do. And lastly, ask for an extension mm. if you need more time to apply. In an effort to support the Bank Black and Buy Black movement, One United Bank has implemented 100,000 surcharge-free ATMs across the nation. Now, as the largest black-owned bank in the country, One United is dedicated to serving the black community and its financial needs. Indeed, now today we have the privilege of speaking with Terry Williams, president, COO, and owner of One United Bank, who brings 30 years of financial services and, and expertise to our show. We want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here, Ms. Terry. Can you tell us more about One United Bank's mission to serve the black community and, and how these surcharge-free ATMs, mm. how are they going to make a difference? Yeah. 
So in addition to being the largest Black-owned bank, we're also what's called a Community Development Financial Institution, or CDFI. And our focus is to close the racial wealth gap uh, and to build wealth uh, in all communities, but particularly in the Black community. Yeah. So aside from, you know, these ATM uh, uh, fees, what also makes your bank stand out from other banks? And how does uh, Bank Black, that movement, how does that factor into your bank's approach to serving uh, customers such as us? Yeah. So we're, we're first of all, we're unapologetically black. Um, and our focus really is to provide the best services, affordable services for our community. So we're trying to make financial literacy, as an example, a core value in the black community. Um, we are offering affordable financial banking products to our community, whether that's second chance checking account for people that have check systems record, or we have a, a great short term small dollar loan program called Cash Please, um, so that when you do need those extra dollars to avoid overdraft, you can just you know, go into our mobile app and get you know, four or $500 in minutes. Um, so we do a lot of things to really help our community sort of overcome some challenges that we have as a community and to get us on the road to building wealth. And I just want to dig a little bit, a little bit deeper about this whole idea of, of One United uh, Bank you know, leaning into to being unapologetically black. I know there are a number of, of banks that, uh, that haven't quite made that lean uh, <laughs> yet. Uh, you know, what inspired One United Bank, um, you know, to really lean into this and to be so public about it? And, and what are your hopes in terms of inspiring the financial services industry to do the same? Yeah. So uh, first of all, in addition to being the president, I'm also the owner and I'm, I'm black, you know, and, <laughs> and um, it's really important for us to speak in our authentic voice. If you want someone to trust you, you know, that it's really important that you're authentic, that you really speak to who you are and what you're trying to do. And so we made this shift from being a bank that happens to be black owned to being an unapologetically black bank about six or seven years ago. And our, our customer base has actually tripled since mm. that time. So, you know, I think our community hears us. I think they need us. Um, but it's more than just our voice and it's more than just, you know, how we communicate. It's also putting sort of our money where our mouth is. I mean, the surcharge free ATM network, it's costing us money, but it's saving our community money. You know, we offer two day early pay, you know, for no charge to our customers, but it does cost us money to make that money available quicker. So we're really, you know, saying that, you know, not just to one United Bank, but really to the entire banking community is that we just need to do more to address the needs of the black community. Yeah, and as your bank continues to meet specific needs uh, for the black community, uh, what what financial advice, uh, general financial advice, would you have for black people uh, specifically? And, and how does uh, One United Bank uh, continue to go about supporting uh, black customers and building wealth beyond, like you mentioned, those traditional uh, bank services? So we really ask everyone to focus on the one transaction that's going to help you and your family close the racial wealth gap. You know, in some cases that could be, you know, savings and increasing your savings. It could be buying a home. As I always say, even if it's a hut, you know, it could be buying a home, you know, having a profitable business, 
having life insurance or, you know, there, there's so many things, a will, you know, to really focus on that one transaction that's going to close the wealth gap for your family and then learn how to take that step, you know, to make that one transaction possible. So that, that's what we have been communicating. Because if you think about the racial wealth gap, you think, oh, this is so big, I could never solve it. But really for each family, it's typically one thing that we can do, one financial focus that we can do that really makes a difference, not just for us, but for generations to come. And speaking of making a difference for generations to come, we know that uh, it's Women's History Month. And as Women's History Month begins, how does it feel to be named one of the most powerful women in America by Forbes for your hard work and dedication in the industry? And, and what's your message to, to some of the young folks out there? Just over your shoulder, there's a beautiful piece of black art there, uh, uh, really featuring one of, one of our babies there. You know, what's yeah. your message to the next generation of folks um, who are looking for the financial freedom that so many other generations haven't been able to achieve? Yeah. I mean, thank you for that. And it's really an honor to be named one of the 50 over 50 this year. Um, and I, I would say to everyone um, to really focus on, you know, how you got to where you are and, and who are the people that made a difference to you. You know, I've been recently talking about my great grandmother. You know, she owned a juke joint, a barbecue pit you know, a, a penny candy store where I used to work and some real estate. And I used to just follow her around. And I didn't realize how important that was as a kid. Um, we called her my honey, you know, um, and I always say to everyone, you know, there's a my honey in your life, you know, whether mm. it's your mom, your auntie, your godmother, um, but there's someone in your life that really has made you who you are today. And, you know, sort of pay, pay tribute to that person during um, this Women's History Month. Absolutely, uh, Miss Terry Williams. Actually, you know, these days are flying by so quick. We're already in the first week of uh, April. So what a, an amazing uh, legacy that you have created yeah. and continue to live in. And thank you so much for, for joining us today. We appreciate you. You're now an official soulmate. We got to have you back for some more advice and to keep on top of what you and this, what I want to call a movement is right. doing. Amazing, amazing work. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hashtag Bank Black. <laughs> Up next, the impact of living with sickle cell. That's right. When we return, we're speaking to Kier Jr. Spates, a sickle cell warrior, survivor, and co-host of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll be right back. We welcome you back to Fox Souls Black Report. So let's talk health and wellness, in particular, sickle cell. That's right. In the U.S., sickle cell affects around 100,000 people. For black Americans, the impact is felt disproportionately with one out of every 365 black people having sickle cell disease. Joining us now is Kier Jr. Spates, a sickle cell warrior, survivor, and co-host of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. We want to welcome you to uh, the Black Report. You, I know you, I used to do morning radio, so you've been up for a minute, Kier. So appreciate yeah, you. Did you did, this is more important. That's I know, I know, I know. What I fight for. I know that's right. I know that's right. So, so let's, I'm, I'm good, darling. It's so good to see you. So let's talk about you know the beginning of your journey uh, with, with sickle cell. When did this actually start, like the diagnosis and how you've been able to kind of well, stay ahead of it a bit? Yeah, the, 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 the crazy part about it is it's so crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I was diagnosed, I was not diagnosed with sickle cell until I was seven years old. Mm. And that meant my parents had seven years of not what's knowing what's wrong with their child. Mm. And that's scary, knowing that I had this disease. And then after they tell me that I, I was diagnosed at seven, then they say, well, he's going to leave here by 11. Oh, my goodness. Mm. So that's only four years. So when I was about 10 and a half, I was playing extra hard because I'm about to go. So I was playing really strongly hard because I didn't know. <laughs> And so now you, you, you get to this age and you say, you know what? Your life isn't over mm-hmm. because you have sickle cell. That does not mean that's a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Although they treat us like that, it is not. And so what, we, what we're doing is we want to change the outlook for, for everybody with sickle cell because I don't look at this as an American issue. I focus on this on a global issue. Mm-hmm. What you mean, Kira? You only look 23 and a half. What you mean at this age? You only look about 23 and a half years old, darling. What you mean? Well, I had to do with this. My mom got good genes. I ain't got nothing to do with it. But all I know is that when you look at sickle cell from a global aspect, mm-hmm. they don't all look like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are different people around the world that have different skin tones mm-hmm. that have this exact same debilitating disease. And we just talk about it from America, but if you go over to the Middle East, there are people in the royal family with sickle cell. Mm. Okay, so we're not talking about this from the standpoint of it's just us. No, this is for everybody. And mm-hmm. this is why I started this this, this podcast. This mm-hmm. is why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. To just, just transpire to understand that I had to reconcile with death a long time ago because mm. this is killing us. And so this is why I want somebody who just found out maybe today that their son or their daughter may have sickle cell, that they'll have some tools that my parents didn't have to equip you for this battle that your child's going to have a different life. Kier, Trust me. Kier, on, yes. on, on that point, on that point, and, and, you know, you don't look like what you've been through. That's right. What are some of the oh, challenges, some of the challenges that you face while living with sickle cell? Mm-hmm. Yes, the the... the they're, they're just, I'm going to tell you, my medical care is one challenge I have to deal with because they're underserving this community of people, okay? They're underserving us for one, and then on top of that, they're under-medicating us as well. If I tell you my pain's at a 10, don't treat it like it's a 2. Mm. If I say my medication needs to be here at this time, it should be here at this time. Mm-hmm. Don't make me wait another hour because you feel, as a healthcare professional, that I am lying to you and I'm becoming a drug seeker. And we all have faced these challenges. And this is why we're going to get this discussion going because this has to change. You don't tell cancer patients, and nothing against people with cancer, we, are, we, we pray for all of us. But when they tell you where their pain is at, you serve that pain. Mm-hmm. And as a person with civil cell, I need that same care. I didn't come in here and stop my good job and my good life and all the fight I have to do to come in here looking for an opioid or a drug. That's not what I have time to do. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have this conversation and we're going to make sure that they know that, hey, when you see somebody with sickle cell, find out, talk to them. We know what our pain level is. There's no more of an expert in this room than me. Yeah, yeah. So I understand it. So, Junior, talk to us a little bit about um, the, the the podcast, Living Your Life uh, podcast. I've, I've tapped in, I've listened, and you know the subject matter and, and what you're talking about is so heavy. But y'all managed to you managed to get in some laughs and really I, talk I, about I, a lighter I, side of of, the, of your journey. I love that that balance let there. Let me tell you something. I have when I when I'm, when I'm down, I've, I already have enough trouble. Yeah, life about. Is about finding the funny in the pain that you go through, mm-hmm. even then. You know? mm-hmm. And so living your life is a is, is just a statement that we don't, we, we, not just people with sickle cell, but 
maybe you guys, maybe we're not living enough. Mm. You know, with everything that's going on, I wanted to put something together for people with sickle cell where they get to talk to some of my friends in the business and sit down and look how they're living their lives and, ex- and and find out how to take what you're hearing and apply it to your own life about overcoming. This is all we're talking about. We're sitting down and we're talking to Earthquake. We're talking to Kiki Shepherd. Matter of fact, in Detroit, I talked to a young lady who is 17 years old. Her mm. name is Reem Sakiki. She, she started a business started a business at 17 where she's taking sickle cell patients to their doctor's appointments. This young lady is amazing. And guess what? She doesn't even have sickle cell. Mm. She's just been around it her entire life because her mother is a, is a doctor who deals with sickle cell patients. So these stories are we going to go find are these amazing people in our sickle cell community. And, and their, their stories are talking about overcoming odds and situations in life. And that's why we got to get back to living your life. That's why I started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know and, and what is it? What is it about um, you know living with sickle cell? What is it about the people uh, living with sickle cell that you think is just so resilient? You know, this is this is yeah. not an easy disease for people to live with. No. You know, what makes folks like you so resilient? Mm. Uh, intestinal fortitude mm. can handle it. Say say that again. Say that again, Junior. Intestinal fortitude, the, the way, the way, the way, the way that I view life. See, it's not when when they already tell you that this could kill you. Then I'm not so much concerned about if my lights get turned off. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not worried about bills and all this type of stuff because you've already given me an expiration date, mm-hmm. 11. I've been proving the doctor wrong for 33 years. Okay, now here I am, and then I see some of these stories. I see the pain and the hurt, and some of these people. I said, but let me tell you something: you you don't even understand how much more you can take than the average person. Mm-hmm. You have some fortitude built in you. You're gonna find out in life that ain't gonna bother you. The fact of the matter is that you can tolerate this type of pain in your life. Oh. You built for something, mm-hmm. and that's the message I want to get across to them. Listen, Junior, thanks so much uh, for your time. You have officially been blessed as a, as a soulmate. We got to have you back and talk a lot more about uh, your journey, especially as you and the podcast continue to, to reach yeah. and teach uh, the, the masses. Tell Steve Harvey and the crew we said what up, though. Thank and you, uh, we love you and God bless. We love y'all. 92.3 to mix. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here in Detroit. We love it. You got it, baby boy. Take care. Stay safe. We love you. We'll have you back for sure. Kim. Bless you, brother. Thank you, man. Y'all guys have a good one. Indeed, indeed. All right, great guy there. So positive. Yeah, very much so. All right, still ahead, the world of Hollywood is worried about Jamie Foxx. What is happening? That's right. We'll tell you all about the most recent medical scare. Mm -hmm. Don't you go anywhere. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. Well, Oscar-winning actor Jamie Foxx is recovering after being admitted to an Atlanta hospital. So his daughter uh, took to social media saying her father suffered a, quote, medical complication. She says, luckily, due to quick action, Foxx is already on his way to recovery. He is uh, currently, it is currently unclear, rather, uh, what kind of medical issue this exactly was. Yeah, well, we do know that the 55-year-old is in Atlanta filming the action comedy Back in Motion with Cameron Diaz. 
He was last seen on set on Monday. Yeah, so there was a lot of talk as to how this was going to back up, you know, filming um, because nobody really knows the severity of what this medical uh, situation is. But you know, down in Atlanta, the streets will talk. What are the streets talking well, about? Well, they were saying that, you know, they weren't calling it out, but they were saying that at one point he could not talk. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm hearing that uh, these are unofficial reports that uh, he is communicating again. But at one point, whatever, whatever happened, he wasn't able to um, uh, communicate. This is a big movie. Uh, the Diaz uh, lady had been in retirement. She's coming back, A-listers. Uh, so uh, all eyes on this situation to see uh, what happens. But uh, in the meeting in between, best wishes to uh, Jamie. Yeah, we love yeah, Fox. Yeah, yeah. Get, we well, love Fox. get well soon, Fox. That's right. All right, Sean Jay-Z Carter is heading to Paris. This weekend to pay tribute. Did you like that? Where are you going? Paris. To pay tribute to two iconic artists. Now, he's expected to perform at the Foundation Louis Vuitton Auditorium in tribute to Andy Warhol and Jean Basquiat. Basquiat, that's mm -hmm. it, with a celebratory concert that will coincide with a Basquiat and Warhol painting exhibition recognizing the multiple canvas collaborations between the pair. Tiffany and Company will serve as the sponsor. Shay Shay Foo Foo La La. Shay Foo Foo. The company, the billionaire, will keep, honey. <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember Jay Z back in the days when he was riding in the car with, with Kenya Moore in the in the Jiggle Wood, Jiggle Hoo video. <laughs> that's my. That's what I. You know, I go back to that. But you know, people evolve and move on, and you know, amazing. Yeah, that's good. It's good to see it. Yeah. You know what else is good to see? What's that? Dana Owens. Ooh. She's known to the world as Queen Latifah, and her most recent accomplishment shows why she's called the queen. Okay. This week she made history as the first and only female rapper to be inducted in the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress is the largest library in the world with millions of books and films and videos, audio recordings, photographs, newspapers, maps, and manuscripts in its collection. The library preserves and provides access to a rich, diverse, and enduring source of knowledge to inform, inspire, and engage the masses. Wow, yeah, the Library of Congress is hot, baby. They, it's, it's, it's hot, and, and they, they do their job to, you know, curate, you know, so many careers and make sure those careers and those accomplishments are on record uh, for generations to come. Yeah, and it's great to see Queen Latifah celebrated. It is. Um, you know, she is still young and mm -hmm. still has a whole... Uh, a lot of time ahead of her, yeah. right? And so it's going to be really great to see her, you know, continue to grow in her art. Um, remember the jazz album she did like I years do. ago? Like I that do. was fierce. Like there's nothing that Queen Latifah can't do. With. There's such a process uh, to to you know begin when you, when you when the Library of Congress uh, does reach out to you, as they have myself, if I may, you know, toot my horn for a minute. Uh -huh. There's so much that you have to go through because they want to know every bit about your journey, personally and professionally, and then they want to gather all the artifacts that you are willing to part with. So a little bit later on this month, myself and 29 other uh, black women uh, in, in radio have been selected to, to be a part of that collection, to be inducted into the Library of Congress. And that uh, that uh, piece is going to tour for a while, and then it'll, it'll rest at a library in Atlanta. It's called the uh, Radio Preservation Task Force, and they're focusing in on black women in radio uh, to preserve our stories and that our journeys. That is terrific. Isn't that wonderful? Bravo. Thank you. So I'll be right next there with to somebody that's in the Library of Congress. Man, I was like, are you sure you got the right Courtney Hicks?
I was very honored. That's incredible. It's going to be special. It really is. All right, speaking of being honored, actor Billy Porter is set to step into a legendary role. The Emmy and Tony Award winner will portray author and civil rights activist James Baldwin in an upcoming biopic. Porter will not only play the lead role, but he's also going to take on some writing credits as well. I think this is spot on. He says it's been a career-long dream to tell Baldwin's story on film. Baldwin was, of course, a black queer visionary writer whose influential work includes Go Tell It on the Mountain, uh, Notes of a Native Son, and If Bill Street Could Talk, which, of course, was a big motion picture hit starring Regina King. This is going to be fabulous. This is so yeah. exciting this, because this, James, this is Baldwin, James Baldwin, James mm -hmm. Baldwin, he's a personal hero. He's a hero to so many of mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, to see, you know, Bill, to see Billy Porter, mm -hmm. You know, sort of transform yeah. into James Baldwin. That's going to be interesting. I think he's going to nail it. To see, he's going to nail um, it. You know, and this is also a project that's supported by Byron Allen, and mm. and so this is also a great example of allyship, right? Mm. Byron Allen, you know, is you know sort of supporting this film, um, and you know we love to see it. We love mm -hmm. to see it, especially in a time like this. We need our allies, uh, and we need more James Baldwin on the screen. Yeah. Actress Taraji B Henson is partnering with Kate Spade, New York, to bring well pods to HBCU campuses. The initiative aims to destigmatize mental health and bring quality mental health services to black communities. The She Care Wellness Pods will include spaces for traditional therapy sessions, as well as yoga, art and dance therapies, and include a space for <laughs> naps necessary. Now the first set of pods are only designated for females, but a wellness pod for males is expected to roll out a bit later. So big ups to uh, Taraji P. Henson. She's been really big as of late on uh, mental health. It's always interesting to watch her and some of our other uh, celebrities, uh, her girlfriends, uh, talk about what they what they go through. We see them on the screen, you know, very successful, you know, what appears to be, you know, having it together. Mm -hmm. And then when you see them get together on the couch with a glass of wine, it's a whole different story. It doesn't yeah. take away from their celebrity, but you realize they are folks too, and they catch it just like we do. And she's really been leaning into this this initiative. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we've reported on this uh, on the show uh, in the past, right? Um, and it's great to see her returning to uh, not just the mecca, but other HBCUs mm -hmm. and providing you know resources yeah. uh, that you know are going to make a, a tangible difference in the lives mm -hmm. of folks that are dealing with a lot. You know, we yeah. just did a story on you know the fact that black social workers mm -hmm. are dealing with a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, you know, it's going to be great to see folks really leaning into this as a resource and the fact that it's, you know, it's focused on yeah. women, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, she's she's her sights on opening it yeah. up to men and other folks. I loved uh, in the press release how they talked about meeting folks where they're at. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, listen, individually, we, we need specialized attention. Mm -hmm. uh, collectively, we do as well. So, you know, she's saying, hey, you know, she's she's identifying with what she identifies with and say, hey, let me help my sisters. But brother, Brothers, I got you too, and uh, I think uh, all is necessary. And uh, again, big ups to uh, to Raji uh, for recognizing this and partnering with people who folks who can get it done. That's right. Okay, yeah. Kate Spade, we see you. Mm -hmm. Still ahead, our favorite segment: Black Excellence. You know we love it. When we come back, we'll tell you which school is honoring Dionne Warwick, the Queen, honey. All of that and more straight ahead on Fox Soul's Black Report.
All right, Soulmates, stop the presses. <laughs> Bowie State University is officially naming its Performing Arts Center after a music legend, the Dionne Warwick. Yeah, it's going to be called the Dionne Warwick Theater and will host concerts, plays, and other performances. Now, the naming is to honor Ms. Warwick's lifelong advocacy for higher education, health care, and the arts. A $500,000 gift from the Durant Family Foundation uh, was given to Bowie State University, which is the oldest historically black institution in the state of Maryland. <laughs> um, you know, it holds high significance for the NBA star Kevin Durant as it was one of the places where he competed as a teenager. That's right. Bowie mm -hmm. State officials say that the contribution will go a long way towards updating our facilities like the Dion Warwick Theater. You know, listen, she is just all over the place. Not only is, you know, she's got this great honor, but she was also named like the queen of Twitter because she's so quick with her comebacks. She's so quick with the comebacks. <laughs> Are we surprised I'm, that Auntie Dion is quick with it? You remember when Auntie Dion was on The Apprentice? Oh, and, and listen, she and, was and, a hit. And, and if you don't remember, Nene Leakes remembers. Oh, <laughs> she got up all up in Nene Leakes, did she? <laughs> she sure yeah, did. we love Miss Warwick. All righty, let's go to Nicole uh, Lynn, who's been named president of football for Clutch Sports Group, leading the team, representing more than 60 NFL players and employing five NFL PA certified player agents. That's right, Lynn has become a household name in the sports mm -hmm. world, being the first black woman to represent an NFL quarterback in the 2023 Super Bowl. Clients include Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, New York Jets, uh, Quinnen Williams, and Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett. She'll also represent top prospects at this year's NFL draft. This is exciting. So like social media went nuts. Love the announcement uh, as she received several praises from colleagues and fans, everybody posting all across social media. Uh, others even commented on how impactful this particular move, this appointment uh, is going to be for black women already in the sports world or looking to, to get into it. Now, before negotiating contracts for NFL players, some of you might know she worked with young money mogul Lil Wayne. She is only 34 and Whoa. a proud uh, member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So she is uh, is all the move and this appointment is, is going to be definitely well celebrated. Folks are excited. I'm really excited that young girls, young women are going to be able to look to her and as say, inspiration hey, and I say, you know what? We can be in the sports world. We can be we can be agents. We can get deals done. And mm -hmm. so uh, I'm just really excited to see, yeah. see, see that happening like right before our very eyes. It's I mean, amazing. For a long time, mm -hmm. you know, there's been a glass ceiling in a lot of different industries, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's great to see so many women in the sports world sort yeah. of cracking that that glass ceiling, mm -hmm. um, both on the court and off the court. Yeah. Before we wrap up the show, we were talking yesterday about Reverend Al Sharpton and how sharp he was in that red in that red suit as uh, his big convention is happening uh, in New York, uh, the National Action Network convention. It kicked off yesterday. It's running through the 15th at the convention. Uh, it's featuring a panel regarding covering threats to democracy through the lens of equality and will feature our very own general manager of Fox Soul, Big Network, James DuBose. So be sure to catch the highlights and replay uh, on YouTube. And big ups uh, to James for representing and being that mouthpiece uh, for the culture. That's right. Really yeah. exciting stuff. Lots Look, of folks are gathering for, for that for that event. The National Action Network, mm -hmm. that, that is one of the go-to conferences. It is. Uh, this time of year, every mm -hmm. year. And so... Uh, 
congratulations to James holding the Fox yeah. Soul flag proudly. And to the Reverend Al Sharpton pulling that thing together, being the face and yeah. the voice and the strength of that. All right, for the full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other black-centered content. And don't forget, Soulmates, I say, we say this every day, you can download that Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. It's going to keep you tapped in with all that we, we say and do here, uh, not only on the Black Report, but across uh, the Fox Soul network. And we had a beautiful uh, spring-like day. We did. Here in Detroit. It Fox felt Soul like Black spring for a change. Yeah. For a change. Oh, my goodness. This is, today feels like, like Los Angeles in Detroit. But I want you to be careful because April is tricky. Spring is very tricky. And we have known, we have been known to get snowfall uh, in April. As a matter snowfall of fact. Snowfall in April? Yes. As a matter of fact, next week we're supposed to be getting back to some oh uh, chilly temperatures. So if you're anywhere in the Midwest, like in Chicago and Minneapolis, and you're enjoying this uh, amazing day, do so. But prepare. Because sometimes it can be a trick. What's the What's the Prince song? <laughs> sometimes it snows, snows in April. Snows in April, yeah. So like it's that's true. real. It's that's, like, that's that really that, that really really happens. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my. Thanks so much for uh, watching uh, today. We appreciate you. That's right. On behalf of the entire team here at Foxhole's Black Report, I'm the Cordelai Corte. I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, stay lifted and stay safe. We'll see you soon. Oh yeah, it will snow in April. Oh my no God. Doubt about it.